0: Good morning. As Ellen has just said, we've been focusing on children of God, the right we have, the only right. But today I want to focus on the father of those children, of us, our father. Imagine if you were informed that you had an appointment with God tomorrow at nine. And you had to show up at a certain address. And you sit in the waiting room. And when the time comes, the secretary will call you. And you will be ushered in. How do you prepare? What are you going to say? Imagine it's a real event. If you're a bit like me, I mean, if you go for an interview, people tell you how to prepare, you know, rehearse this dress in a suit and, 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 and. So I want to encourage you this morning to prepare for such a meeting. And I want to tell you that... Both my sons are married and they have children and they will be here in December and for a little period they will be overlapping. And how much I look forward to that. And I believe God looks forward not to just a phone call or a prayer, but to spending time with his children together. You know, we do it one by one, one on one, but corporately, corporately to meet with him this morning. And I don't know quite how to explain this to you, but it's something like this. In preparing... Jesus insisted that he would preach himself. And I'm only allowed to do the introductions. So I'll try and do the introduction and set the context and then we'll do worship. And then the sermon will follow. If that's okay with you. So I want to start off by just explaining some of the context, and the first statement I want to make is, we are at war. Now, Ephesians 6, we, we know that Christ has overcome the enemy, so the war is actually won. But the, So I went to the New Testament to get some context about this war, and Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So the war is a propaganda war. And we are caught up in his propaganda. And the propaganda is mostly against the father. Our father. And his son. In Ephesians 4.14 it says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So it's the devil's schemes and men's schemes that want to blow us around. And 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 and 5 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power ...to demolish strongholds? Do we not have need to access this weaponry and use it? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God... ...and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So it's taking these schemes and understanding the arguments and the pretense in them, and making it obedient to Christ, and not being taken captive by the scheming. So, the onslaught is against God, our Father. And there's a ministry, uh, what's it called, Wild at Heart, they talk about the Father wound. And so many of us, we walk around with, a wound that's somehow linked to our perception of a father. And uh, the enemy's prime target is to say, God doesn't exist. But Romans one says, by the creation we can tell that God exists. And the second thing is that we were not created by God. It's another one of his schemes. The whole evolution when I was young it was called the evolution theory. Now it's taught as fact, but actually its pretense is it's science. It's not. It's just the belief system that tries to say that God doesn't have to exist for you to be here. You were evolved from a big bang, and somehow it all settled down and became me, dust in order. <laughs> if you want to believe that. <laughs> what are the odds? So, uh, so Ken Robertson in one of his videos talks about a little girl in the... In a class, she's probably eight or seven or eight or so. And she's sitting at the back, and she never paid attention. But this was now the art lesson, and she was somehow excited and paid attention. And the teacher went to her, and he could see she stopped fiddling and fidgeting, and she was busy. And looking at what she was doing, she said, what are you doing? She said, I'm drawing a picture. And she said, a picture of what? She said, a picture of God. And the teacher said to her, but nobody knows what God looks like. And the kids said, they will in a minute. (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? But the essence of it is each of us have a perception of God up here. And that perception comes from somewhere. And the battle is to have that perception corrected. ...and restored to truth... ...and not to be suffering from the evil schemes of the enemy... ...as that perception is warped through the world around us... ...that's trying to prove that God doesn't exist... ...and that we came from uh, whatever. So, uh, uh, a number of years ago... ...I cannot remember if the woman was at this workshop... ...or whether the guy told the story... ...but I have a sense she was there. But in one of the exercises... Uh, we were all asked, or the participants were asked, to explain their picture of God in their minds. And this woman explained it thus. She said, if I imagine God, I see him in uh, like a uniform, and he had these leather boots that come up to the knees. I tried to find out the names, but it's too difficult. And, and he had this, you know, this riding whip, this little flap. At the end, crop. And he would stand with this crop and sort of whip it against this leather boot. And that was an image of God. And then the guy asked, so what did your father do? And she said, oh, he was in the mounted police. In the mounted police. So he was on a horse and that was his uniform." So as a father, we have a massive influence of how our children perceive God. What a responsibility. My dear wife has a very good image of God the Father, or had all along, because she had a, an amazing father. He was a soft-hearted, kind man, and I, I, he was just a ball of love. I very early on, you know, if a guy has a nice pen knife, you say, wow, what a knife. That's a fantastic knife. Or, you know, uh, working in his, uh, doing something in his tools uh, box. Oh, that's a nice pair of pliers. And I came from a farm, so I noticed these things. And very early on, I learned you can't say that because he gives you the pair of pliers or the knife. (laughs) It's just a reflex reaction. You've got to zip it. Otherwise, you get it. And I, one day I said, wow, this is a wonderful woman. That's the good part. Now, the good news is, the bad news is, she struggled with her perception, her picture of Jesus, because of the guy she married. Fortunately, he's died. (laughs) I hope. Now, uh, in the reality of today's society, we talk about certain cultures and groups which are fatherless. We hear so much abuse and abuse by fathers of their family, their own children, You can't imagine it. Then there's the other one that crops up. is fathers and parents that have conditional love, you know. If you make the first team, you get a bicycle. Type of thing, you know. But if you don't, oh, Lord. uh, Everything is conditional. And... And then there are generational curses that are carried through three and four generations. And, and why three and four generations? Because you see, the fourth generation can sit on the first generation's lap. That's the span of time we have. And we want to reverse all that. Another thing that crops up in society is often something happens to people and who do they blame? God. He's supposed to be almighty, he's supposed to be present everywhere, why doesn't he stop it? And that's why I made the first statement, we are at war. So if we walk across the battlefield without any armor, oblivious of the fight, and you get shot in crossfire, now you blame God. And I don't mean to say I have all the explanations of all the permutations of that. But God is good. And the enemy is there to kill and steal and destroy. And we have to defend God's honor, I believe. I believe it. And say to people that blame God, it's not his fault. It was Adam and Eve started this thing, and they were instigated by somebody else who wasn't happy with his job as worship leader.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry.
2: But
0: stepping from the Old to the New Testament is an interesting exercise. If you close the Old Testament, the last two verses... Read, see, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. That is the final conclusion of the Old Testament. And then God came and made provision in Christ Jesus. To turn his heart back to us for a start. Which I believe was never turned away, but it opened that way. So that we can turn our hearts back to him. And then our children will see him in us. And they will turn their hearts back to us. And restore our society. In Luke 1 verse 17 It says, and we will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Today we often hear people say we're waiting for the return of the Lord. We're waiting for the return of the Lord. What is Jesus going to do? Prepare a place. He's gone to prepare for us, for the bride. Is the bride ready? How much of the bride is still, what, runaway bride? Somewhere out there. Haven't even heard they got to get married again. In 2 Corinthians five seventeen eighteen, 18, Therefore, if there's anyone in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So the Father has reconciled us to himself. And Matthew 18, verse 2 and 3, He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. So what does it entail for a grown man like me and yourselves to become children of God? I remember when we were at primary school, there was all this bickering between the little boys. You know, my dad is the strongest. You beat your dad. And my dad is, he's got such and such a car. And my dad can do this and this and this and this. And my dad can carry so many bags of cement or whatever it was, is we brag with our dads. But the other thing about our dad that I remember is I never worried about the month end. I never worried about my overdraft when I was this big. I never worried about what I would wear and what I would eat. And the New Testament tells us we shouldn't, but we do. Often, I confess. Maybe you don't. (laughs) But when Alan was preaching two weeks ago, I was sitting there, and this is the thought that struck me. When I was like a little child like that, I never worried. I never feared. Because I had an unconditional trust in this hunk of a man that I am safe and provided for. And today we want to be independent and self-sufficient and, and, and all those things. Can we go back in the Afrikaans Bible, it says in the Geseend is hulle wat weet hoe hulle van God is. The English translation is a bit different, but it would translate to Blessed are those who know how dependent they are on God. Hoe afhankelijk hulle van God is. Can we just depend on Him and relax and know He's in charge? Because when when I was very little, My dad in winter when he came home, he would sit in his chair and my mom would bring him a coffee or whatever. And he'd open his jacket. He had an old-fashioned jacket. And my sister would sit under the one wing and I under the other wing and he'd close those wings. And just our noses would stick out and we would be warm and cuddled. We had our pajamas on by now and we could sit with him for a little while before being put to bed. And those are vivid memories I have today. And that is my prayer for you. We have a father. And we need to cuddle up to him. In John 14, 8 to 10, Philip said, Lord, show us the father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Okay. Um, So we are going to make ready for worship. And just in the Old Testament, they had a temple, and they went there to do worship. I mean, if you go to Russia, they have these massive cathedrals with no chairs in. And the worship goes from 9 to 12 or something like that, and you walk in, you look around at the icon, you go and do the, and you walk out. It's sort of flexi-time. But where do we meet God? That's a question. Where do we meet God? Now there is a very specific place. He lives here. So that's where we meet Him. Matthew 6 says, When you pray, close the door and go into your inner chamber and pray to your father who is in the unseen. So it's inside here we have to go. Um, And the last part of the worship today will not have scripture on the screen or, or the words. Because what we want you to do or challenge you to is just close your eyes go inside And meet with God. And there will be two songs. And then. The Lord will. Share his message. And for that duration. I pray that you. Make yourself comfortable. And. Enjoy the encounter. And if you don't want to. Enjoy the encounter. Please don't disrupt the people next to you that do. Uh. After it's happened, I will give you some time to collect your thoughts and make permanent in your heart what you've heard from God. There was a man who had
2: two daughters.
0: The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. The younger one said to her, Father, Father, give me my share of the estate. Give me my share. Give me so he divided his property between them. He divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. Not long after that, the younger daughter got together all she had set off for a distant country a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living squandered her wealth in wild living After he had spent everything. After she had spent everything. There was a severe famine in the whole country. A severe famine. In that whole country. And he began to be in need. And she began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. So she went and hired herself out to a citizen of that country who sent her to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. She longed to fill her stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one, no one gave her anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? When she came to her senses, she said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you." I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, "Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm no longer worthy to be called your daughter." Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. She got up and went to her father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. While she was still a long way off, her father saw her and was filled with compassion for her. He ran to his daughter, threw his arms around her and kissed her. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm no longer worthy to be called your daughter. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on her. Put a ring on her finger and sandals on her feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. For this daughter of mine was dead and is alive again. She was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Scripture was Luke fifteen eleven to 24. Just take a few minutes, moments to... Collect your thoughts and what you've experienced and what God has said to you. When you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back to us, but I don't want to rush you. Let me hear, is there anybody who has heard anything specific? Anyone? Would you care to share with us?
3: The very first words you spoke, when you started speaking, you spoke about the children of God, and then we heard a baby's about to come into this world, and there's an anticipation. But as we were worshiping, I just saw this picture of a of a beautiful child in a mother's womb, and. I can see how wonderfully well it had been nourished. So familiar with the sounds outside of the womb. And then the child was born. And as I looked, there was silence. Everyone was waiting, waiting, waiting. And then I heard this child cry out. And its cry was piercing and loud. And it traveled right through the room, out into the passageway, out up into the heavens. There was a new life that had come into being. And the Lord just showed me in my spirit that out of the darkness, this child was born into the light. And there was a waiting time, and the breath of life came upon that child. And as I looked, I said, Lord, what are you saying to me? And the Lord just said, like that new child that's been born to this world, it's come out of the darkness and it's been exposed to the light. But how I long to hear the cries of those who need me and want me.
0: Who else? I want to encourage you to share, because this is where you're ministering to the rest of the body. God is now speaking through you.
4: Um, when we were worshipping, um, I had this sensation of being in a cathedral and soaring, as the spires do. And I just felt that as we lift our hands, as we worship, we are like saying uppies to, to God. And wow. He will lift us. And all we have to do is raise our hands to Him, and He will lift us above the troubles of the world.
2: Um, I've always looked at uh, uh, my lineage and understood it because I'm the only boy. In the family, three sisters, and my son is the only boy, three sisters, my father is the only boy, and so it goes on. Granddad was the only boy. So I saw this chain going through that I'm part of God's plan. Uh, This family, He doesn't need more than just me, He doesn't, I don't need a brother to continue that chain. But what I saw today. Was the chains made up of links? And when I look at myself, I have failed in my life many times. And I don't, I know nobody in here could put their hand up and say they haven't failed. We all have. But what I saw today was at the point that I fail, Jesus becomes that link and stands in for me. So that lineage. That's being passed on and passed on. Will never be broken because He will stand when I fail.
5: As we minister today, and the Lord has been telling me, we've been looking our earthly father as the role model. Sometimes we, we get a little bit confused of the things that they are doing. But for today, is actually look up to Him who is the greatest Father. Not the one that sometimes we, we learn things from them, sometimes when they disappoint us, and then we have a wrong image of God who is in our life. So today, it, the Lord has been telling me we need to renew our minds and realize He's the greatest Father. And he will never disappoint us in any time because we look at our earthly father and sometimes they disappoint us with the things that they taught us and the way they want us to live. But whenever we are in trouble, we actually have to lift our eyes and call him and say, God, we need you to guide us.
1: Sisters insisting. <clears throat> um, I don't know, there must be more than me in here that have no picture of the Father. Um, my dad came back from Russian prison camps after the war when I was seven years old, and uh, the life got hard. Um, but I know that the Father in Heaven has been with me since. I was conceived in my mother's womb. And um, if it's any encouragement, I've got to say something else. Um, I'm also as lucky as um, Chucky's wife. She had an amazing father. I married her wife. She had an amazing father. She's got never any problem with the father. But like, Chucky, She has a problem with the picture of Jesus as well. <laughs> um, but uh, God is good. And um, he's able to father us, even if, like myself, I've not got a picture. But I know he's good, and he's absolutely good, and he's absolutely just. And he knows what He is doing in my life.
4: This scripture has been going round and round in my head, and it is one of my favorite scriptures. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The world is seeking peace and rest And they avoid coming to the prince of peace and rest. Jesus said, come unto me, and I will give you rest.
2: I just saw a fresh rags
3: changed into robes.
0: Thank you. That's what I'm after, really, is your experience of the time. Not so much the interpretation of it. Anybody else?
4: I've, mm, I've come from a background of cruel fathering. I know this is an oxymoron, but he was like a Jewish Hitler who ruled by rejection and the removal of approval, always conditional love, always, always, never cuddling. And the Lord said to me, let me into those places of abuse and darkness And I've been a believer for just under 40 years. And I've worked and worked and worked with Jesus through this. But the Lord said to me this morning, there are dark doors, places of darkness and anger inside you. Let me in. Let me in. Let me shine my light in there. And you can trust me. And that's the problem. It's been so hard to trust God. Fully trust God when my own father was so untrustworthy. So then I saw a picture of climbing onto a tightrope. And as though Jesus was on the other side and needing to walk across that tightrope. And I felt the Lord saying to me, It's not a matter of trying to even keep your balance. My angels are beneath you. My arms are beneath you. And I saw this picture of angels with wings beneath the tightrope. And the Lord said, you can do cartwheels on the tightrope because you are totally, totally safe in me. Totally, totally protected. And I'm there. You can cartwheel across to me. But having said what I've said about my, my earthly father, I have long forgiven him, and I love him dearly, and I honor him for the many good things he did. There is complete forgiveness in me for him, and that's only by the grace of God. So sorry about the tears and the wailing, but...
0: Thank you for that. I have a sense that we're not done.
5: When when we're worshipping, as it was said... Uh, prophetically, uh, that uh, it, forgiveness comes from the Lord. And again, when we were just looking inside our hearts, uh, hearing for ourselves, uh, the Lord said, uh, confirmed it twice I am a forgiving God. I am a forgiving God.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? There's one more.
4: I had no father. My mother, my father died in the war. My mother remarried when I was seven. I was an only child. I only found the Lord when I was about 30, 32, somewhere around there. But the amazing thing is something that I'm so grateful for. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Is that... I knew God loved me. I knew I had a father, even though I didn't have a father. And listening to people talking this morning, I realized what what an amazing gift that was.
0: Let us close in prayer. Father, thank you that you receive us as your children. That you long for us. That you run to us. That you embrace us when we make the slightest move to come to you. Thank you that we may know your heart for us. Forgive us where we disappoint you, Lord. I pray this morning that you will bring healing to the father wounds in many hearts. That you will bring freedom from the lies and the schemes of the enemy about the character of our God and Father. We declare that you are a good, good God and that we love you And we love the way you father us. Lord, we pray for Daryl as he's working with 21 orphans today. And this morning speaking life into their lives at the closing, probably at the same time now. We just pray that you will destroy the orphan spirit in their hearts and that you will reveal yourself to them as a father who's compassionately loving and kind to them and waiting for them to come home. Lord, thank you for everyone here who has come home to you, to the Father home. And Lord, we know that there are many out there who haven't. Help us to show them something about the Father. We pray that you review and release your Father heart to us and in us and through us. We praise you for your presence. We praise you for your love, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.